Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze, where we take a nostalgic look at a random football magazine from the past. I'm Andy Smith, aka Scotch Footy Cards on Twitter, and with me is Tom Brogan. Hello! In each episode, we'll invite a special guest to join us in trawling through the magazine and discuss anything contained within it. This could be anything from an article, to a photograph, to a competition, to an advert. Basically, if it's in it, then we'll talk about it. So sit back and let's shoot the breeze. Milne. Wriggles clear. Might just get the chip and he does, he's scored! Oh, what a great And this week we're joined by playwright, novelist, and monologist Alan Bissett. <laughs> oh, is that would that be right to call you a monologist? Alan? I've never I've never heard the word before, so I'll just <laughs> go with it. Right, no? I'm a monologist. Okay. <laughs> Can we define a monologist? Because I don't know what it is either. Well, it's basically. I mean, it's basically a person who does. Monologue. Live monologues. Oh, right. Okay. Essentially, Spalding Gray is probably who you would call a, a monologist. But I suppose he was a guy who sat behind a desk and and read stuff out. Well, I'll see in future when people ask me what I do. That's what I'll say. I'm a monologist. <laughs> this week's issue is a copy of Match from Saturday, December 1989, and on the front cover there's a Scotland England game. Ali McCoist is tackling Terry Butcher, and uh, it's uh, Match is previewing the forthcoming World Cup draw and touting the idea that perhaps Scotland and England would get drawn together in the same group. Uh, also in the cover, results, lineups, ratings, eight-page pullout, cover price 50 pence, and other features, daft as a brush, have a gas with Gaza, and big names, Hans Heelhouse, Ian Wright, Roy Weggerly, David Platt, and Bobby Davison. So you were saying, Alan, you remember actually having this issue at the time? I'm pretty certain I did die because as I was leafing through it, certain images and, and certain things came back to me. Um, it's inconceivable that I wouldn't have had an issue that's got Ali McCoist and Terry Butcher on the cover because I supported Rangers. Um, and also the Scotland-England angle would have attracted me as well. So I, I definitely would have had this one. I've not seen it since then right enough, which has certainly been a nostalgic experience, I have to say. <laughs> Well, pages two and three, Battle so, of Britain. So, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm doing what you do, Tom. I'm going Are you to jumping in? I'm, You're I'm welcome. Straight, I'm, I'm staying on the front front page here, just talking about the kits. Yeah. Um, Scotland kit for me is probably top three, top three. That's so, because either second or third place for the for the best Scotland kit. So this is the one that had a little bit of tartan on the collar. So the, the I think the collar was a, a sort of button up type thing. And it was on that bit there, down there, that it was a tartan as well. And I remember the material really well as well. It was really nice and soft. And um, yeah, it was one of my favourite kits. Was this uh, run about the era of the kit, the Scotland Away kit, that had about eight different colours on it? And it was, it was so garish. It was parodied on Scotch and Rye. It was <laughs> a, a sketch of Ricky Fulton uh, dressed as a painter. And he's flicking paint at a canvas, <laughs> and he pauses and he looks and he flicks some air paint, and then he turns it round. He's like, "I call these Scotland away kit." <laughs> <laughs> but the, that, that, yeah, that would have been the the away one. So the white one with the with the big splashes down it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Blue, blue and red splashes. Right. Yeah. So that that would. And it's it's strange how 
you can have because it's pretty much the same design apart from that that flash just different colors you know it's the same cut and things it's amazing how you can have that and then just be putting a little bit of paint splatter on it it just makes it from a one of the top three kits of all time to be one of the the bottom three kits of all time <laughs> so hi Aye, it's on the design really. And also as well, that um, England kit, I can remember that era of the round collar and the studs. You used to be able to um, pop the studs on the collar as well. Rangers had it, Celtic had it, Aberdeen had it. That was fashionable for about two years. Do you know what? I will say that those studs, those studs are one of the best inventions known to man. If you, if you get a duvet cover with studs on it, you're sorted. I'll tell you what, if, if it's buttons, no, man. Just... <laughs> it was too much faff. And there's also something quite satisfying about the noise that it makes when you stud it. <laughs> that snap noise. Yeah, yeah. All right, Tom, you can continue. Oh, thank you. Uh, so pages two and three, Battle of Britain. Old enemies could clash in a World Cup draw. Nick Gibbs analyses the intriguing possibilities when Saturday's 1990 World Cup draw is made. Uh, so uh, this was the era where the home internationals between Scotland and England were sort of coming to an end. So matches are playing up the prospect of a World Cup finals meeting uh, mm. between the two. So the, the last game of the annual series was actually in May 1989. And uh, so match speaks to Jim Bett of Scotland and Steve Hodge of England uh, about, the, about the draw. And it also speculates that England would be playing their games in Sardinia. And uh, that was one thing that was true. Apparently the, at the British government's request, England were forced to play all their games in the island of Sardinia. Because uh, of the Oregon problem. Yeah. So, so England, England away fans with the coronavirus of their day, you had to <laughs> quarantine them. But see, I, I, I find this, it's the same as um, I hate seeding in competitions. I think I think every competition, you just draw them. And I that's agree, it. actually. And, totally and, agree. and the likes of this, the... The England team are being treated differently and probably going to come up against different teams simply because of a hooligan problem. It's like, and because I think it meant, I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but it mentions that they're looking to keep the South American teams separate as well, probably for similar reasons. And it's like, hold on, if if that's what you're doing, then just don't invite them. If, if they can't behave themselves, right. so that the competition can be, you know, it can you can do it properly and. What's 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 the phrase that everybody likes um, using about the integrity of a competition? If if that's not possible, then just don't invite them. I'm sorry. Well, that's a fair enough point. I I mean actually, England fans did get banned for Europe for quite a number of years in the in the eighties. After yeah. was it Heysel? Heysel, yeah. I think they were banned for about five years, which which ended up benefiting the Scottish game because a lot of those players came up. Um. Uh, but I know you're absolutely right, and I, and I agree with you about seeding. I think it's a nonsense. You know, it almost predetermines certain outcomes in the tournament. No, I mean there's there's only one reason to do seeding, and that's to make sure that the clubs you want to stay in it, stay in it. For, absolutely for true. Aye, it benefits the big teams, and also if you find yourself trapped in a certain seed, it's very difficult to get out of. You know, um, I think this is uh, interesting because they've interviewed Jim Bet, as you say, for Scotland. Um, and he sounds like he's shiting it a bit. <laughs> he sort of wrapped it up in, well, we play similar styles of football, so you know, I think we'd cancel each other out. But the guy, for the England player, what's his name, Steve Hodgson? Steve Hodge, yeah. He's well up for it. He's like, ah, fucking come ahead. <laughs> um, 
and and I'm a bit disappointed in Jim Bates' attitude. I want yeah. to hear stuff about how he would relish the opportunity. Instead of saying, nah, I didn't really feel England, no. What are you talking about? I'd be a wait, Scotland and England in the World Cup? Bring it on. Yeah, it would be a battle. And then 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 you've got the football game. Although it never worked out for us in, in later tournaments, right enough. <laughs> no, they were big games, big occasions for sure. So it'll be an interesting thing to note there on page three, there's again another picture of Scotland-England game, Steve Hodge and Roy Aitken. But while England have got the same strip as they do have on the front cover, it's a it's an older Scotland strip. That's straight, aye. So it's maybe interesting that England kept the same kit for obviously a number of years. Aye, aye, it looks as though they did. Maybe, maybe the SFA needed the money more. They had, had to <laughs> Again, another good Scotland shirt. Aye, that's my favourite Scotland shirt there, the one that they had in 1986 World Cup. Yeah, that that that, that would be um, in my again. That that's one of my top three. The shorts, so I could I could quite easily lose the shorts. I know they're quite iconic and stuff, but I could quite easily lose those shorts. Quite like the badge on the shorts. I quite I think that's good. Yeah. Um, but they are off you wee. <laughs> yeah. They look like a pair of pants on Roy Aitken there. <laughs> and I don't know, has, has England won, has he got his, um, the, what do you call it, the top bit, the, the band, is that turned inside out or was it red? Because yeah. um, I don't think it's red on um, the front and Terry Butcher. Terry Butcher, Maybe that was his thing, maybe he turned his band inside out, you know, like George Best played with him, he's, he socks at his, his ankles, maybe that was his trademark. But you know, to, to, to do that, you're, he's basically saying, oh, these shorts are a bit long. I'm going <laughs> to fold it up to get them up a wee bit higher. And also, if you look at the shorts there, they've got another design that was very popular in the late 80s, which was the sort of light and dark checks yeah. that were sort of inbuilt into the into the, the pattern, you know, that like yeah. um, like a sort of checkerboard. Yeah, again, like the Rangers shirt of that. Like the Rangers shirt. If you look at the, the if you look at the gym bet there in Aberdeen, it, it's pretty obvious there. It's the same sort of idea. That's right. It's just bigger checks, basically. It's I see, and and then you get to the next page, and he's taking to a whole new level. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to move on to. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the next page is uh, the secret world of Bobby Davidson of uh, of Leeds, and uh, yeah, that's what I put in my notes. What is he wearing? So that that it, is that purple is a a wind cheater. Would you call that? It's definitely something for golf. He's definitely gone golfing, isn't he? Yeah, and as the piece goes on to say, it does mention that he's a keen golfer. But yeah, just so, to describe right. it for the for the viewer, we've got Bobby Davison of of Leeds United. Um, outside, what looks like a sort of mock Tudor, semi-detached. I think he's got a hatchback in the the driveway. He's got a mullet, a white polo neck, a purple. Uh, wind cheater, as, as you described it, with a, a shell. A shell. I think it's. I think it's a shell wind cheater. Um, with the uh, the checks on it, the, the light and dark checks. A pair of what looks like cargo pants, and then a pair of br- uh, black shoes. It's the most hideous combination <laughs> imaginable. See, I'm. I'm wondering. I don't think it is, but the the logo bit almost looks like a bokta. Mm. Like a what? Buckter. You know the the Hibs used to have the the shirt maker Buckter. Can it remember then? I don't think I, I don't think it is though. But um, my sight's not too great here, so I'm going to say no. It's not Buckter, so I don't know what I'm talking about. I'll go away and Google that. Oh, the the the, the Buckter was, was quite a famous um, thing with, with Hibs because um, Hibs were the one of the the first 
major um, top teams to, to have shirt sponsorship. And it was Buckter written across the shirt. So Buckter were the, the shirt makers, but they were also the name was written across the shirt. And it was one of the, the, the first top teams in the UK. I say one of, I think a lot of people say we were the first team, but there wasn't. Um, what was it? What was the name of the... Kettering. Kettering Town, okay, I think. Okay. Way back in 74 or something, or 73, 74. Um, because um, there was a, a company whose initials were KT as well or something like that. Kettering um, Tyres, I think it was. Kettering Tyres. So it sort of fitted in with the Kettering Town, Kettering Tyres, but they were told to take it off. Deep cut in terms of knowledge. <laughs> oh, we've, we've, we've covered this before in another one, so it's fresh in my head. Yeah, I was to be honest, as I was coming up with that, I'm thinking, what must I sound like? <laughs> Mate, I'm I'm impressed. So uh, this feature looks at uh, Bobby Davidson's his home life, and uh, one of the things he mentions is he says he's embarrassed by his forearm tattoo, which he usually covers up with long sleeves, but it's it's quite prominent uh, in these photographs. Yeah. But it looks as if he's his way to show it off. And also, what we've got is a player from an era when having a tattoo would have marked you as quite unusual and maybe even a bit thuggish. Yeah. Whereas the idea of a football player now without a tattoo is inconceivable. Yeah. The fact changed on tattoos in the nineties and uh, and never quite went back. I have to say that whole feature about Bobby Davidson is he's probably the most eighties football player you can. Well, if you were to design an 80s football player in an interview, <laughs> this would be it, because there's not only the photograph that we described, but he's sitting reading an issue of today's golfer while lounging around his living room. And when you see his CD collection, it's essentially yeah. simply read, George Michael, Gloria Estefan, Rod Stewart, you know, everything you would imagine a late 80s football player. <laughs> on CD, I might add, which would have been quite the thing at the time. The one I noticed there was George Michael Faith. That's right at the front as well. That's but that's I, I, I was a fan of George Michael, so I'm I'm okay with that. Aye, that's it's it's a pretty credible record, Faith. But at the time, it was very very mainstream. You know, it was definitely sort of thing a football player would have been into. Yeah. Uh, and and he also he, he does a, a David Brent at one point because he's asked who his sporting hero is, and he says Ian Botham. Uh, and then basically the description of him is straight out the, the, the David Brent playbook. You know, he's citing both of them's charity walks and stuff like that. So <laughs> he's your archetype, really, isn't he? Does it mention if he's if he's married? And the reason, uh, oh, he is married, yes, to Gillian. I'm wondering what Gillian thinks about that bottom right photograph, wearing his shoes on that carpet. <laughs> they didn't look too clean in the soles either, so... <laughs> no. I mean, the carpet looks clean, but, well... You can definitely see Jillian's influence in the living room design. <laughs> Certainly. Well, I hope, so. I hope it's her influence. Look at the curtains there. I mean, that's good to be Jillian. So his, his ambition was to get promotion with Leeds, and, uh, spoiler, Leeds won the second division that season, and Bobby played 29 league games and scored 10 league goals uh, that season. And what I like there, there's a wee, that wee bit when match day comes, there's an at-a-glance guide to Bobby's Saturday routine. I, I quite like I quite like these three things. But um, 11 o'clock, arrive at the ground, meet up with the lads and have a meal around midday. Howard Wilkins is a great fan of pasta, so we have any of the nine varieties on offer twice a week. Nine varieties of pasta put out for him. I didn't know you could even get that many varieties of pasta, never mind back in the 80s. 
I have to say, this was the most um, the most interesting bit of the whole interview. The the minute by minute yeah. day football or match day. I've never seen that before. Um, and, and it's it's I was, I was surprised there was so much dossing about. <laughs> to be honest, you know what? Up until about twenty minutes before the start of the match, they're all kicking about watching the telly. Twelve forty-five <laughs> p.m. Time for relaxation. Are <laughs> uh, playing table tennis or just a game of cards? At five thirty though, um, stop in the bar for a drink and a chat. You wouldn't be doing that now as a professional athlete, would you? No, you certainly wouldn't be, and certainly return home and collapse a meal, and maybe a few thoughts about the goals, and then hitting the hay. You're like. Yeah, he sounds like he goes to bed about nine o'clock. Maybe he wouldn't match because he's shattered to nose, but I would imagine you'd want to stay up and enjoy yourself. But yeah, Tom, does it does it mention anything about him? Because this was obviously the they won the the second division that season, and they went on to win the first division the next season. The Did he season. play a part in that? Does, do we know? Um, I couldn't I couldn't tell you if he carried on playing. Um... Okay, we'll maybe have a wee check on that and see. What, what I can tell you about, about Bobby is he, he has got a degree in football management from the University of Liverpool in 2015-16, and he's currently a UEFA Pro licensed football coach. Well, that, that sort of ties it, because there's a photograph of him there with a briefcase open and he's doing some work, and it says, getting to grips with a tough question on his fitness and nutrition correspondence course. So he's obviously quite a... You know, he's, he's, he's looking after his future and he's, he's doing some courses and things like that, so... Yeah. Yeah, that sounds just like Bobby. Aye, he's solid. He's dependable. You can tell him. So moving away from Bobby, page six, we've got scalp hunters. There's a focus on the giant killers out to spill more blood in the FA Cup second round. So they look at Aylesbury, and uh, Aylesbury actually draw nil nil with Northampton Town, but Northampton win the replay one nil. And Whitley Bay, who were playing Preston North End, and Whitley Bay actually beat Preston North End two nil in front of a capacity of four and a half thousand crowd. And uh, they lost to Rochdale in the, in the third round. Uh, but what's interesting for me is Aylesbury's uh, Northampton old boy, Glenville Donegal. It sounds like two Irish towns, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> a tremendous name. I couldn't find out much more about Glenville Donegal. Yeah. And, he's, and the photograph of him there, he's wearing green and white hoops as well. And I'm just thinking, he's, he's, he's a bit in the, bit in the piss here. There's definitely a missed career opportunity, I think, for, for Glenville there. Yeah. And it's another one of those shirts that button that button up at the neck yeah, as well. It does look a lot like the Celtic top, really, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. 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 I have to say, this is when you start to see the, the, the English Focus and Match magazine, because as much as you get a bit of Scottish coverage, they would never have a, an interview with anybody playing for Stennis Muir, <laughs> you know, or, or Easterlinshire or something like that, you know, hoping to take a big-name scalp. Here we've got Aylesbury and bloody who else have we got doing here? Whitley, Whitley Bay. Bay, non-league Whitley Bay. You know, who cares? <laughs> I mean, I certainly think match well. We've spoke about this quite a bit. Um, shoot, certainly. You know, as I say, up to maybe the mid eighties towards the early nineties, there was always a lot of Scottish content. So whether it be um, Scottish people in England or Scottish teams and things up north, but match hasn't always had that same sort of level right. that same sort of focus of the Scottish stuff and I think it's it's obvious in this as well but I mean this is getting to the you know it's getting close to that early 90s start of the premiership mm-hmm. when 
when there's just like right, forget about them. Let's just concentrate on what we've got down here. Right. But it's, it's certainly you've picked up on on this without the benefit of having. You say this is the first one you've looked at in years, and so without having the benefit of the background of how it's progressed through the years, you've picked up on the fact that you know there is less Scottish content than you maybe remembered, or maybe there should be. Aye, maybe, but maybe when I, I think back in my head, I, I conflate shooting match. I, I might know, of, I might be misremembering mere Scottish content than there actually was in match yeah. because it was read and shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is some Scottish content, you know, you can you can see it there, but there's no, there's certainly not a lot of it. No. Um, and you certainly wouldn't get the sort of in detail focus on tiny wee teams in Scotland that you that you've just got there that would be that'd be inconceivable, really. Although that said, the next page you've got a focus of Hans Hill House in Aberdeen. Yeah, so I uh, Hans Hill House. So uh, Aberdeen's record signing th- thinks there's more to come from him and credits his success at the club to his understanding with Charlie Nicholas. Now, but just looking back on uh, Hans Hill House, he'd won the European Cup with PSV Eindhoven uh, just in 1988. Just remarkable to think now that there was a European Cup winner and then his next move was going to Scotland. Hmm. Aye, I mean, even your, your Aberdeens at the time were attracting pretty decent talent. I mean, Theo, Theo Snelders, who would have been Aberdeen's keeper at that time, I think he was capped for, was yeah. he capped for Holland? Yeah, I think so, aye. Um, uh, there, was, there was certainly a, a, an influx of, I mean, this was around about the time we started getting more and more European players in, in Scotland, which would have been quite unusual up until this time. Even even English players were quite unusual in the Scottish game. Yeah, absolutely. Never mind Europeans. Um, and then obviously it became a flood after that, um, as, as the money started washing through the game, and you started what was it the Bosman rule? So I've 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 just been educated here, Tom. On what? Hans. I just assumed Hans was the name, but it's short for Johannes. Yeah. That, that's me educated. I didn't know that. I didn't. Or what you would call um, Stephen Steve. Hmm. No, so, but I, I just assumed his first name was Hans. I did as well. Aye. Johannes Paulus Hillhouse. There, there we go. There we go. Aye. Yeah, I, fine. If uh-huh. I meet a, a Hans in future, I'll be able to say, oh, is it actually Johannes? Yeah. I think I'm a cool guy. So, thanks for that. I think that'll work, aye. <laughs> <laughs> so, nine caps for the Netherlands, and he also got one cap for the Scottish League. One cap and one goal for the Scottish League. And we've talked about this before, Andy, that yeah. uh, centenary, League Centenary game. Which was uh, the last one ever, wasn't it? Yeah, 1990. Yeah. My brother was an Aberdeen supporter around about this era, so he was, um, Hans Hillhouse is one of his heroes. They had a pretty decent side, to be quite honest. For quite a number of years, Aberdeen were serious challengers to the old firm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously under Alex Ferguson, they did what they did, but for quite a long time after that, they had, they, they burned quite brightly. They, they nearly, um, they ran Rangers right to, I think, the final game of the season one, one year in the, the nine in a row years. And nearly, That's right, it was about 91, I think. I, I think Aberdeen only needed a draw at Ibrox that day. It was it Martin Haitley scored twice? Martin Haitley scored twice, aye, and, and, and broke their hearts, but that's how close they came. Yeah. Um, so, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how, how certain certain teams, Nottingham Forest would have been the same in the 80s, a, a team that were always up there challenging. And and for a long time after there, they still had a kind of allure about them and then very quickly, you know, plummeted. So he's, he's got a pretty pretty decent uh, scoring record there. Um, overall, his uh, clubs, 
four hundred league games and hundred and fifty six goals. I think that's a, a fairly decent return. Yeah, it's yeah, twenty seven and seventy eight for Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his next two clubs, um, 28, and 50, 28 goals in 54 games, 28 goals in 60 games. I mean, that's... There's no someday anybody ever talks about that much either, really. Yeah, true. To be honest, though, I mean, you're saying that your brother was a fan, Aberdeen fan and it was one of his favourite players. I must admit, I, I see a fair bit from Aberdeen fans on Twitter that when Hansi Wohouse is mentioned, there's a lot of love for him, you know. So, certainly... Aberdeen fans, maybe it's just fans of other clubs just don't really appreciate or remember how good he was. Um, but certainly, I think Aberdeen fans don't have that problem. He's like the Aberdeen mixu lining. <laughs> yeah. My dad had a, a joke that he used to tell. My, obviously, my dad being a dad, his jokes were awful. And he'd be right, son. Try and name three Scottish football players. This would have been at the time. Try and name three players in the Scottish league who are connected to gambling. I was like, John Bett, and he's like, aye. I was like, um, John Coyne, and he's like, aye. And I was like, I couldn't get the third one. And he was like, mix who put a line on. <laughs> That's a dad joke right there. That's a dad joke right there. <laughs> <laughs> so on the same page here, there's a wee advertisement, and it's uh, for some phone-in games. Here's your chance to be England manager. Give Bobby Robson the red card. Uh, so it's a, a, a phone-in uh, where you get to be England manager and there's also striker. Are you the number one UK football fan and penalty? Uh, Alan, did you ever phone in to any of these? No, I never. Parents' permission, ask the Bill Pearce permission and phone in. Well, I did ask the Bill Pearce permission and the Bill Pearce said no. <laughs> so, don't tell you laugh at my jokes. <laughs> Pretty much it. I think my mum and dad knew that the the per minute rate for these was extortionate and they were just one they're like, no anyway, son, that's not happening. Yeah. It's it's a straight sorry, it's just the the England manager one's got Bobby Robson there, then it's like it's just a straight why is he wearing gloves? <laughs> I mean, are you taking a penalty kick into Bobby Robson or something? That one's about being a manager, isn't it? So I don't understand why I mean it's got a guy a crap drawing of a wee boy but looks at Given a red card, or is it a wad of money? I don't know. A red card to Bobby Robson. Yeah. Bobby Robson's wearing, he's obviously got some skin problem with his elbows and arms as well, but he's wearing gloves. I don't get that. Is he wearing a watch and, and it just looks like gloves? He's just got a big hand. <laughs> it is a big hand. That could be it. <laughs> Considering how he's, um, the rest of his arms have been drawn, then that could well be, that could well be the case. But yeah, it's it's like um twenty five pence at the cheap rate, thirty eight pence um all other times, and it's the sort of thing, you know you're so there's your chance to be the England manager, and then a striker. Your team is two 0 down with ten minutes left. As a star striker, it's up to you to score a winning hat trick and save the match. Have you the skill needed to grab victory? I'm guessing all you have to do is get three questions right, and you've won it. I'm guessing, I. How else could they do it? And are you the number one UK football fan? We'll prove it. You have three minutes to answer as many football questions right as you can. Um, so 75 pence total there, but there's probably going to be another minute or two at the beginning telling you all the rules. Ah, aye. The penalty. Experience the excitement of a penalty shootout with your favourite teams and players just to kick off just dial. Now, we've we've looked at a, at least another one of these before, Tom, haven't we, where there was... Um, 
one of the competitions was a throw-in. And it was like, how, how, how would, who would choose a throw-in? And, and what would what would be the game of a throw-in? You know, it's like, I, 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 you take a throw-in or full throw. And it was, oh no, it's, I've, I've given another full throw again. What am I like? What happens after the throw-in though? I don't know. Maybe, maybe what it is, maybe it's just a random. You take a throw in and the player shoots wide, or you take a throw in and then they score. But it's just like, you know, you've got free kick, you've got do the manager, you've got striker, you've got penalty. No, I'm going to pick the throw in. <laughs> it's lack of imagination. So page eight, we've got prize catch sharing five hundred pounds worth of goodies and free to enter competition. And uh, you can win a range of super sweatshirts. What do you think of the multicoloured sweatshirts? I love there? this. Well, they, these are these are sort of um, all the, the rugby style things, aren't they? Yeah. Um, which actually, actually had a couple. So down the bottom, there's that blue and red one, and I actually had something very similar to that. I didn't have a white collar, and I, I liked my I liked my rugby shirts back then. You could just about get away with that, I think, I. But it's the ones above it. Mm. In the in the range of uh, garish colours, yeah, less so I would say. I mean, I, th- I think I think the one on the right there, the yellow, blue, and white. You could probably get away with that as a lead supporter. Yeah. Aye, maybe if it matched your team's colours like that one, the red, white, and blue one, you could get away with that if you're a Rangers fan or whatever. And maybe maybe the first one, Hearts, maybe could get away with that because I think there was a tracksuit very similar to that. You know, the, the, the Hearts used to have a tracksuit that looked as bad as that, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, by the models. Yeah, so, that's what I was coming So quite often there's drawings and, you know, of it, but we've got actual photographs in colour here. So I'll let, I'll let you have a wee chat about it, Tom. Well, I mean, the models, do we think they look like brothers? Do we think they're brothers? I'm, wa- I'm wondering if the, the, the owners, the directors of the company, I had to think about this. Because um, one of them's obviously had a bit, somebody's stuck a nut in them, but it looks like. Because he's, he's, got, he's got across his nose, he's got a wee sort of cut there that <laughs> suggests he's been in a scrap. <laughs> it might have been his brother there that did it for all we know. Well, I mean, the other guy's clearly mid-40s, which is no something you would see in a sort of modelling le- leisure wear kind of thing, a, a guy who's that old. Um, but really yeah, no, I think you might have a point there, Andy. It probably is a family a family firm, man. Yeah. They kind of look a bit like they should be doing some sort of cheesy Europop number on top of the pops <laughs> wearing Bermuda shorts um, with a bevy of beauties dancing round them. You know, a huge, a huge hit in the clubs in Magaluf. I, th- I think they 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 went later went on to do a tribute act to Matty Sammer and um and his oh, Rudy Voller. Rudy, yeah, Rudy Voller. So you've got Matty Sammer and Rudy Voller tribute act over in Benidorm. Either that or the first draft of the Chuckle Brothers. <laughs> yeah, I was th- I was thinking about that as well. The certainly, you know, they're giving it a good go with the moustaches there. But is yeah, I just looked at it and I thought, yeah, it's they can't be models. Um, so I'm I'm going for the soccer support services now. Actually, this this is how sad I am at times. That eight Trevelyan Place, High Farm, Crook, County Durham. I'm <laughs> I'm sure I saw this in another magazine at some point, whether it had been an advert or something. And I went online, and to yeah, listen, judge me if you want here. I went online to Google Street View, and I found it, and I had a look at it, and that's the sort of thing I do just to see. If, and I think it's still there as a sports shop. 
or some sort of um, upstairs upstairs um, thing in a, in a in a building. I'm probably um, still trying to shift those football league wider wear <laughs> Boxes and boxes. Of I want to see if the guys are still there. <laughs> Looking at the window. <laughs> so moving on to page nine, we've got Daft as a Brush. Have a laugh with Spurs Clown Prince as Match brings you some of the best extracts from Paul Gascoigne's latest book. 20 things you never knew about Gaza, uh, albeit it's only 13 and then the rest seem to be made up. Uh, what, what do we think here? Now, this this is a, a, is extracted from a book, uh, Gaza Daft is a Brush, published by MacDonald Queen Anne Press, priced £5.95. And it seems to be something that's been made up absolutely out of thin air. It does, uh, especially Gaza's top 10, um, which I'm guessing bears no relation to his actual football tastes. The, the thing is, they don't even, it doesn't even work as wordplay. Because <laughs> you've got Gaza's top 10, number one, do you think I'm Rod Stewart? You would think it, at least it would rhyme with sexy or something yeah. for the joke work. Like Radio Gaza, for yeah. example. That's that's a good pun, but no, no the first one. The amazing Gaz, that's crap as well. Yes. Number six is Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Playing Football. Dreadful. Uh, Where the young gifted and fat is actually quite good. Mm. No one quite likes Gaza, maybe. Gra- uh, nah, Grand nah, nah, Gaza. Sorry, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being too generous. Eh? Like the Gaz, you can get away with that one, I think. Don't don't stand so close to me, the police with Finney Jones. It's, see, you, you know how I feel about these, Tom. These... Anything that says "let's have a laugh," we're about to have we're about to have a laugh. This is about to be fun. <laughs> Generally means it's going to be crap. Um, uh, it was like saying the twenty things you never knew. So number two, start, I mean, it says his favourite colour is light blue. Fine, okay, this sounds as though it's going to be quite educational. He was once caught as an apprentice drinking the dregs out of the sherry glasses in the players' lounge at Newcastle. Okay, I can believe that. Um, and then it gets down to, and it actually got me for a wee second. It said his middle name is Ignatius, and I'm thinking, what? His middle. Then I read the next one. Fact fourteen isn't true. I said, yeah, bastards. So, and then they said sixteen. I just made it up to test you. So they've, they've basically thrown three in there, as you say, Tom. Just completely made up, just to fill stuff. Can you imagine not being able to fill up twenty facts about Gaza for a <laughs> book. Aye, uh, although some of them, in uh, hindsight, actually seem kind of tragic, especially. That one, he was caught as an apprentice at the Sherry Glasses in the Players' Lounge at Newcastle United. Well, fast forward 20 years. Well, that's that's a kind of tragic sentence, yeah, shouldn't that true. be? Yeah. So, you, I, I imagine you remember him well at Ibrooks, Alan. I do, I do, aye. I mean, he was in great form when he played for Rangers, but the descent was steep and frightening. You know, and he, yeah. seems quite a, he seems quite a troubled man. Um. But he, he, I mean, he's he's an interesting case because at the time he stood out for every other football player, not just because he's talent, but he didn't have the personality of a footballer. He was like a a, a stage act. No, it was, and there was something very unaffected about him and natural. Um, and people like that aren't really what football requires. They just want identical, um, you know, athletes that will come out with the, the requisite sound bites and the pre-match interview, and and. Gaza wasn't he really. He wasn't. He wasn't he built psychologically for the for the fame at all. Yeah, it's a it's a good point. I mean, maybe he sort of suited the uh, Rodney Marsh era and all that sort of time. 
a mm-hmm. lot more um, for his sort of lifestyle. And, you know, maybe, you know, not that it would have helped him any. Probably, you know, the best thing that could have happened was him being in a, you know, okay, it's not as it's not as dedicated and things and there's not as much support as there is today, but mm-hmm. at least back then it was on the way there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, God knows how he would have survived if he was in that period back then. It was the George, he's the George best of his day, really, not only in terms of his, his skills, but just his temperament and his, yeah. you know, his, just, he occupied a similar role in the national culture, I think, as, mm. as probably George yeah. Best did in the 60s. Yeah. So was, moving on, page 10, we've got uh, Asics football clothing and footwear and uh, a couple of cracking shirts there. Mm-hmm. Norwich City, Dundee United, Coventry. So what are they, they are, yeah, so you say Asics. Asics, is it, was it Ascus, what is it, Andy? Well, I don't know, I, I say Asics, but... Asics? I think at the time I said Asics, but I didn't know if that was right or not. No. No, well, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly willing, again, to be educated. Um, I actually like that scoop purchase, those shoes there. I think those are really... I me too. Is that a gold effect on them there? Um, I think I think there is a sort of, yeah, yellowy type, certainly on the sole bit and maybe in little flashes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I quite I quite like them. That's a bold design in that Norwich top. Yeah, yeah. So so it's the yellow Norwich top and it's got sort of half half the kit is it's a sort of diagonal green stripes um, that come down again on a diagonal. I don't know even know if that that paints a picture. So it's if you imagine the the kit getting split into two and from the bottom left up to the top right, the diagonal, they're sort of, and, and I'm oversimplifying here, but they're sort of like green stripes coming the other way. And the, the, the away one is a white and green version of that as well. That is a smart kit. It's like welding two cars together after they've been in a crash. <laughs> it looks like two kits welded together across the middle. Yeah, I sort of, I sort of think when I, what I like to do with kits is imagine who are seeing it, and I'm, I'm no one. I'm wondering if it would have been that time. Um, Robert Flex, the one I'm thinking of. So, Robert Flex, aye, that's right. He went down to Norwich. I don't know if that would have been his era. Aye, would have been. Yeah, so that, that's who I sort of see in that. Like so, the so there's a Coventry City one as well, which is blue and white stripes, and I can see uh, Kevin Gallagher in that. <laughs> but then again, I can see Kevin Gallagher in the Dundee United one as well. Yeah, aye, he did play for Coventry, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Did. Yeah. The, the the Dundee United one's lovely. That's um Bellhaven uh, sponsor. It's your tangerine with um just on the on the shoulders there's um black and white stripes sort of thing as well, which is a nice wee touch there. And I think this might have been the top that Dundee United were playing in when they got to the UEFA Cup final against Gothenburg. Would that have been eighty seven, was it? Was it? I can't remember exactly what year it was, but I think that might have been the top. Yeah, it certainly looks like. Mm-hmm. Was it the VG one when they got there? Was it the VG? Aye, incredible to think that Dundee United got to the European final. Yeah, crazy. I mean, the, was it Borussia Mönchengladbach? They beat on the way as well. In Barcelona. Yeah. Barcelona. Incredible. Imagine Dundee United beating Barcelona now. No, that's my, my imagination is not that good now. So. <laughs> They beat them in the 60s as well. They beat them home in City Fairs Cup in, I think, about 66. So I think technically Dundee United are the only team to have beaten 
Barcelona in every single competitive match they've played them in. <laughs> played them four times competitively and beat them every time. That is definitely bragging rights. Take that yeah. one. <laughs> Absolutely. So just having a wee look at the football boots, they look okay. They look because quite often the boots then or a little bit before just look pretty solid and no flexibility to them. But they look as though they've got a bit of flexibility. Sleek. Yeah. Yeah, I quite like, I quite like the ASIC, ASICs, ASICs ones. But certainly, I want, I want those ASICs training shoe F3s, I'm guessing. Or is it Fee? F3, you'll call them. fourteen ninety five. Anybody want any? I'm, I'm happy to cut, to cut this coupon out of the magazine. <laughs> Let's do it, aye. <laughs> I must admit, I never enjoyed wearing football boots. Never enjoyed... I never enjoyed a living aside football, to be honest. I was always either a kick about in the park with my pals... Or the fives. Mm. I never really liked playing eleven aside. There was too much space, and everybody took it too seriously. Yeah. And I didn't like wearing football boots. My fit, my feet felt too heavy. Well, it was a lot of ash parks for me. It was a lot of gravel pitches, and f- there was nearly a, a pair of football boots that were sort of marketed for playing on sort of red ash pitches. Aye, that's true. You know, you were, you Sometimes were I actually wonder if the red ash pitches were were just a Scottish thing. Was it a sort of Scottish municipal? Uh, Ash Park building program in the seventies. <laughs> Cause you never see them in an English telly or anything like that. But everybody in Scotland played in one. See when you fell on them, fucking hell! When you fell on them, you used to get the, the, you scraped and all the ash would get into your into the scrape on your leg. But you'd be picking out bits of gravel for weeks. That's really horrible things to play on your But I've certainly seen. I, I think round about Merseyside in Liverpool, I've certainly seen them. Um, so th- th- they are. Just they, they just weren't as you know common round then as as you know back up. Tom, I'm going to do focus on just. That's just what I was you. just what I was going to prompt you to do, Andy. Okay, so so you you're aware of certainly in Shoot Magazine, Alan, that they have these focus on. So it'll be a footballer get load of questions asked. Um, in match, we think it's called um, the profile or something like that. Right. So, so what? What's that? Sorry. The private life of the private life of that's a very chap. So we're gonna we're gonna do a focus on yourself here, okay? So it'll be a bunch of questions. There's there's nothing there's nothing bad about them, but you can choose not to answer, and that'd be perfectly fine. Uh, full name. Full name, including my middle name. Yep. Doctor Alan Ronald Bissett. Good man. Birthplace. <laughs> Falkirk. First car. I st- I can't drive. Right, okay. Favorite player of all time. David Cooper. Favourite football team? I would say Rangers. I, I, I tend not to follow them in a, a very serious way these days because I got tired of all the shite that comes with it. But um, aye, that's the only team I've ever supported, put it that way. Right, okay. What's your most memorable match? That's probably the um, Scottish Cup final between Rangers and Aberdeen at Hampden Park. I think Rangers, it was either, th- there was two back-to-back Rangers uh, and Aberdeen played three three all in the first one and three two in the second one. Both amazing matches. And David Cooper scored the greatest free kick I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. And it went to penalties and everything. It was a it was a great day, great day. Right. Okay. Uh, what's been the biggest thrill of your life? The biggest thrill of my entire life, non-football related or just anything, anything, anything. I, I, I have to say it was definitely becoming a dad. I know that's such a cliched standard answer, but. Yeah. Um, when my first wedding was born, I've never felt anything like that in my entire life. Okay, that's perfectly fine. That's a that's a good answer. What's been the biggest disappointment of your life? 
with the biggest disappointment in my life. Um, let me see. Um, I think I would I would say things have worked out pretty well for me, to be honest, in terms of things I've set out to achieve and, and I managed to achieve most of them. So it would be, I've never I've never had a, a thing translated into telly or, or film or anything like that. Anything I've written has never been successful in another medium. Mm-hmm. So that would, it would have been quite nice for that to have happened, I suppose. it was That's kind of disappointing. It might never happen. Who knows? Yeah, okay. Fingers crossed. What's the best country that you've visited? The best country that I've visited? Honey, what would you say is the best? We've, we, uh, places we've been. What was the one I got most excited about? Um, Zanzibar. Zanzibar. Uh, birthplace of Freddie Mercury. Or Chile. Chile was pretty good as well. Although they didn't talk about it in Zanzibar. Because it's, quite, it's quite a Muslim society, and ah, right. because Freddie Mercury was gay, they didn't like to acknowledge it. You know, yeah, we'll, go, we'll go for Chile then, eh? Well, all right, right, we'll go for Chile. Yeah, we're not having that sort of attitude. Maybe less homophobic. <laughs> right. um, what's your favourite food? Uh, sushi. Aye, I could eat sushi all day, quite happily. Okay. What's miscellaneous like? So just tell me two things that you like to do. Two things that I like to do. Um... I quite like to listen to Pink Floyd mm-hmm. because um, I'm, that's that's my religion. Right. So I've, I have to pray once a day <laughs> to the West while listening to Dark Side of the Moon. Right. Um, another thing that I quite like today, um, Dad's Club. I'm at a stage of my life now where going to the pub, the local pub, where another bunch of dads is about as good as life gets, you know? <laughs> I quite happily dad's club. That would be that's two things I like today. Okay. I sound like Pink Floyd and dad's club. What I'm a boring, boring <laughs> middle aged fucker you've got here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, no, this, this might this might um, get things a bit heated up. Then a uh, couple of things that you dislike. Couple of things that I dislike. Um, I'm not that keen on James Corden. I I just for some reason I just can't take him. I just every time he's on the telly, I just like get this off. Mm. Um, and other things I dislike. Um, and, and this is where the, the middle-aged dad is going to come back out because I'm about to get the full gammon, right? Right. See folk that let their dog shite in the street <laughs> and then he pick it up. Hanging's too good for these folk. Honestly, I would quite happily. I, I, I would never vote Tory, right? Unless <laughs> they said they were going to start loading up people for, for, for forever to let their dog shit in the street. You know, I, I almost agreed 100% with you there, but you, you went about a wee bit sort of wild at the end there. But the dog shite thing, the dog shite thing, I, I cannot agree with you more. It's incredible. Because I, mean, I, I mean, I, I can drive and stuff, but it just, it's it's easier for me to get, a, or it was easier for me to get a bus into, because I, I live in Yorkshire and I work in Leeds, and it's easier for me to get a bus into Leeds than it used to be. But now I have to walk up this long, long road, and first thing in the morning, the street lamps can be a bit, and I'm just I just spend my whole time looking down at my feet, because you get some absolute, and this is I can't even believe we're talking about this. But you get some absolute whoppers that you just think there's no way that dog's done that and you've not known about it. <laughs> you know, firstly, it would have been a lot easier to pull the dog after it's dropped that. Like, well, how come the dog's you know suddenly a lot easier to pull? I'm absolutely with you on that. What was even worse? When they let their dog shite in the street, they put it in a wee bag and then they leave the bag. Yeah, they hang it up. I'll, I'll get the, the, the stock answer to that is I'm coming back for it. Right, so you are. 
No, Sweet take on. it with you. Take All it right. with you. Make a dog carry it. I must say that. I tell you what, if somebody ever asked, asked me these questions, I've got one of my dislikes right there ready for this. <laughs> right, okay, back on to um, favourite TV show. Uh, Moonlight, and do you ever remember a TV yeah, show? Absolutely. Moonlight's right. a good shout, very love, good shout. Still love it, groundbreaking. I, I, it was, and I, I remember um, just the, you know, there, there's certain shows that when it just comes out, it's just like, wow, this is amazing, and you can't wait to watch the next one and stuff. And the thing is, back then, if you missed it, you missed it. Aye, you know, you unless, you it. Had a, unless you had a video recorder or that, but if you missed it, you missed it. So everybody would sit down and make sure they were in for it, and it was absolutely, it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, yeah, all the characters were amazing, and that's I a fantastic show. It was just the coolest. Yeah. Um, Missile, um, no, we've done that one. Um, see, this is what happens when I get excited about answers. I, I lose my my place. Uh, favorite singers, favorite solo singer, band, band or singer. I'll get, get, give it a two, two. Pink Floyd, we can we can we can take that as a given. So two other ones. Take that as a given. I love Suede. Do you remember Suede? Yep. Yeah. I would. I get right into them back in the day. Um, Obviously, Bowie and and Queen and all these all these you're you're big rock acts in the seventies and sixties and seventies. I can't really see past them. To be honest, that'll always be my personal preference. Okay, uh, favorite actors. So we'll give you two actors to to choose. Favorite actors. Um, let me see. Brando. I must admit, I never really get tired of what. Even when he's shite in a film, he's shite in an interesting way. Um. So I would I would go with I would go with Brando, but I love all that Brando, De Niro, Pacino. See when the Irishman came out, every guy I know was like, right guys, we're sitting down and we're going to watch the Irishman, yeah. you know, because it's all all the greats for the, all, all the the gangster movies that we all grew up watching. Martin Scorsese directing that. I didn't want that film to end. I'd quite happily yeah. still be watching it right now. Yeah. Okay. Who's your best friend? My best friend, right? Um, well, seeing as she's sitting right across from me, I'm going to say my loving partner, Kirsten, obviously, with whom I share my life. Um, but if you're asking who my best mate is, I suppose that's a slightly different question. Um, that would yeah, be you, my you mate. Try, you try partner. explaining that difference to, to Kirsten. Huh? You try explaining that difference. The difference between, what do you mean there's a difference between your best friend and your best mate? Other people might not. Aye, but you wouldn't describe your partner as your best mate, but you'd maybe describe him as your best friend. Yeah, right, okay, now, now you put it in that context. You know what I mean? Probably probably better no describe your, your partner as your best mate. Aye, it's, it's a bit too blokey. You know what I mean? Okay. You don't know why I'd be my best mate, honey, do you? Yeah. No, I just did not. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, Thomas for Falkirk, who I've known since I was 14, and here we are 30 years later still. We, we, we text every every single day, you know, yeah. film quotes and shite and just check in with each other all the time. So and we, we, we we just get it. You know what I mean? Everybody's got a yeah. mate, you just sit down, you just get it. We, uh, Good stuff. Who's been the biggest influence on you? Uh, you mean a person in my life or do you mean like a, as a, an influence on me as a writer? It can be either. So, you know, either personally or as a career. Uh, I would, I would say, and again, this is probably a cliched answer, but my mommy. I'm definitely a mommy's boy, and always, always was, and always will be. Um, and it's now that I'm a parent, you find that you, you've inadvertently mimicked your your own parents' parenting style. 
without even knowing you're doing it. You know, you come out with certain phrases and certain things and you're like, God, this is how my mum used to talk or, or whatever. So, See, I, 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 my, my theory on that is I think you start doing it ironically and then <laughs> over time, over time it sort of, it becomes what you do. <laughs> the mask becomes the man. <laughs> uh, I would say, well, I mean, you need to be really patient with your kids. Incredibly patient. Um, and I would say my mum was definitely that, and she was quite a kind person. So you try and pass that on to your kids. So I would say that was that you know you didn't always succeed. Um, but I would say that was definitely what I would always aim for was my mum's sort of parenting style. Uh, last question: Which person in the world would you most like to meet? Which person in the world I most like to meet? All oh, right, okay, right. Who would I really really like to meet? Probably James Corden. Just say to him, mate, get out my face. And he'd be like, but you invited me here to talk to you. I was like, I so I can tell you to go away again. I'll, I'll be there for that. I'll, I'll, and I'll take the and In a serious way, I would probably say Roger Waters at Pink Floyd. Right. I'd love to sit down and have a chat with him. Great stuff. Okay, so that's the end of the focus on. Back to you, Tom, in the studio. I'm going to stick with you, Alan, for a few more minutes, if that's all right. Yeah. I was going to ask you a wee bit about uh, about your your writing, because um, football's crept into your writing in a couple of different places. That's right. Your Aye. novel, Pac-Man, is set around Rangers fans going down to Manchester for the 2008 UEFA Cup final. So I'm that's right. ask you a wee bit about your thinking about setting a book around that scenario and that subculture, I guess, of Rangers supporters. Well... I mean, my feeling was that that was both a great idea and a terrible idea. Because well, that's what I was going to ask if people maybe tried to steer you away from 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 doing that as well. There was there was some notes of caution, definitely in conversations I was having with my publisher at the time. But I was like, "Look, this is a story I want to write," and he was happy with the book when he got it. Um, I think the difficulty for them was in marketing it because. A lot of um, people who might be interested in, in the book, first of all, it was mainly f- people who were interested in football that bought it. So you're, you're limiting your audience a wee bit there. You know, the general readership, women weren't interested in it, mm. for example, um, whereas they had been in, in some of my previous books. Um, folks thought it was about football, and it's actually not really about football, it's about friendship, but at first glance it looks like a novel mm. mainly about football. Um, and then when people saw that it was about Rangers, you know, a lot of people who hate Rangers would have been like, I'm not sitting down reading a novel about Rangers supporters. And also some of the Rangers supporters who, who bought it, it wasn't showing Rangers supporters at their finest because of what happened that day. Obviously, it all went tits up and they ended up fighting with the police. It's no, it's no a day that Rangers fans look back on with any real fondness. Um, so... You know, it wasn't like a big fist in the air for the teddy bears. Um, so a lot of Rangers fans were suspicious of it. So the tiny amount of folk that bought it really liked it. Right. <laughs> but it, it definitely limited the appeal. However, I think it's probably one of my better books um, because that, that hasn't really been written about in novel form before um, the Rangers supporting. You know, I can't really... The, the, Almost all of the people I know in Scotland who work in the arts are Celtic supporters. Right. Or maybe support their local team, but there's very, very few Rangers supporters. So there's very few uh, Scottish artists or writers writing about Rangers in a creative way. You know, so um, 
I definitely think that was maybe new territory. So I'm definitely glad I did it because it needed to be done. So, and the other thing I was going to ask you about a few years ago, I went to see a reading that you'd put on at the Tron of your play about Graham Soonis. So I was, I was going to ask a wee bit about why why you thought of doing doing something like that. So the, the reading, if I recall rightly, was basically the first act of a full-length play, and it was Soonis at Rangers, and the idea was that the second act was going to be Soonis at Liverpool. That's right. So I was just asking a wee bit about how you went about how you went about that and why you felt Soonis was a, a suitable subject for a, a play. Well, um, first of all, that was my era of football supporting was the Graham Soonis era at Rangers. That's what got me into supporting Rangers. And that's where most of my memories still spring from. Um, and certainly he was such an incredible figure as a footballer, as a manager, as a, as a man. He was incredibly young when he took on that job and transformed Rangers, transformed the Scottish game. And had a man who'd known nothing but his success his entire life. Yeah, sure. You look at his success as a player, it's off the scale. For a, for a Scottish footballer, he, he achieved as much as any Scottish footballer could achieve, essentially. Numerous World Cups um, he played in. He won you know, European trophies left, right and centre. Captain in one of the, the finest English sides ever. Um, and then he comes to Rangers and conquers all. And then he goes to manage Liverpool and, he, and it all goes badly wrong. And it's like a Shakespearean rise and fall. I, was, I thought about him as this Shakespearean war general, like Coriolanus or something like that, who's got all this ego and power and vision. And then, you know, inevitably, people who have so much ego and power and vision, it all goes wrong and they start to collapse under the weight of it all. So it's a, it's a classic tragic rise and fall. Uh, and I just think he's a very interesting figure. Um, and he had his, that, that heart attack as well. He ends up getting a triple bypass. So for a guy who'd been an incredible athlete his whole life to be turned into a, you know, a frail, afraid, he thought he was going to die, you know, and he was only, what age would he have been at that time, in late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. Um, so I thought there was so much rich, dramatic material there. Um, and it got a great response that night, actually, for the people that saw it. Yeah. Um, but the, I decided to shelve that project. I actually even spoke to him on the phone. I spoke to him about it, which was certainly a head fuck. What, 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 did, what did he think? What did he think about it? He was. Um, uh, what happened was I realised if I was going to proceed with this play, I had to speak to him. Um, and because there could be all sorts of legal issues, you know, yeah. you're representing somebody who's still alive and, and on stage. I had to at least sound him out about it. And so I got in touch with a, a Scottish. Uh, sports journalist that I know and I was like is there any way you could get contact details for maybe Graham Soonis' agent and he's like I'll see what I can do and he emailed me back and he said here's his phone number he's expecting your call <laughs> and I was like oh! holy fuck you know what I mean like an audience with the dawn <laughs> so I dialed the number and I phoned him up and do you know what it, do you know what it reminded me of I hadn't felt this feeling for a long long time you remember back long before the internet or texting or anything, if you fancied a lassie when you were younger, you yeah, phoned yeah, it up. Her, her house and if it was her dad that answered. Of course. <laughs> and then you have to try and chat her up on the phone. And eventually so you're mad in the room. That's right. Aye, you know what I mean? And then work your way around it. So do you fancy maybe going out sometime? And it was incredibly nerve-wracking. And I can remember the feeling of dialing the digits and hearing it ring and just... Your heart's thumping like that. 
I haven't felt that <laughs> since then until I phoned Graham Sunnis. <laughs> so he was basically intrigued, uh, cautious a bit, because he wasn't sure how he was going to come out in, in the interpretation of it. Wanted to know what my intentions were. Was it a takedown? Was I was I taking the piss? No, I, I assured them basically. And it, then he, he started to warm to the idea, um, and he said, "Right, well, if you get it on, I says, will you maybe come to it and maybe do a Q and A afterwards?" And he's like, "I'm going to say a hesitant yes to that." So I was like, "Here we go." So it was all systems go, and I shelved it because the temperature in Scottish football when it came to the old firm at that point was starting to get quite. Um, uh, feverish. Um, it was running about the time of the liquidation. Um, it was running about the time of the referendum, and the atmosphere was just poisonous mm. uh, in Scottish football at that time. Um, and also because I was quite visible at that time, and no every Ranger supporter liked me, I thought I'm going to get all sorts of shite for both sides here. I'm going to get booted up and down the street no matter what I do, and it's that's going to be my life for about two years while this plays out there and I just didn't fancy the exposure so I shelved it um, a great pro- project missed because it would have been a great play I think but I, I really I just did not want that sort of exposure uh, for old firm fans at that time sure. um, I might date in future I, sh- I shat it basically shat <laughs> No, that, that's what I was going to ask, no, but shatting it, shatting it, shitting it. Um, you know, you, you, say, you say it's shelved. Is that something that you you think, actually, there's still legs in this and it could still... Possibly, aye. Aye, I might come back to it at some point, maybe. I'll know when the time is right, but... Um... Is it maybe, is it, sorry, is it maybe, you think maybe Scotland's the right place for it? Uh, what do you mean? In terms of, you mean, maybe... Um, historically, from what you said, you know you're going to get a, a different reaction in Glasgow for doing it. So, but if you did it in Liverpool, for, for example, you'd maybe get a more receptive response to it. Than Possibly, but it also brings out very strong feelings in Liverpool because yeah. of what happened when he spoke to the Sun newspaper after his triple heart bypass. Um, obviously, a lot of people in Merseyside didn't forgive him for that. So he's also quite a controversial figure in, on, in Liverpool. So there's probably no safe ground for it, really. <laughs> you go to Genoa. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit. <laughs> Southampton. <laughs> uh, the, the, you're right. We could, we could probably pick out somewhere and they'll be, no, no, there was this bit that they hate them for that now. <laughs> I'm a bit. Uh, well, thanks for asking me about that. It was good to set the record straight on it. <laughs> good. All right, so we jump back into the magazine then. So That's we're going to, uh, where are we? Uh, page 11. Uh, Wiggerly goes west so it's Luton Townsroy Wiggerly uh, can be excused for having divided loyalties at the next World Cup so the South African born strike of a Scottish mother and an English club hopes to be in the thick of the action with the USA uh, so my wife is an American and that qualifies me to play for them says Roy so yeah so he reveals his eligible to play for the USA and spoiler alert he did uh, from 1992 to 1998 he got 41 caps for, uh, for America. And interestingly, he became a golf professional when he retired from football. Roy Wiggerly. Does anyone remember Roy Wiggerly? Nope. Yeah, and I remember I'm being linked with, and I've just got the article here, so from Shoot Magazine in 1990, 
It says Scotland are trying to muscle in on the talents of Roy Weggerly. The QPR star is being sought by both England and the USA as they seek to bolster their Italian 90 squads. And now Scotland boss Andy Roxburgh, keenly aware that Weggerly is a Scottish mother, has joined the chase. Roy's former Chelsea colleague Pat Nevin hopes to persuade him to join the, arm, uh, the army, Tartan army. So yeah, I, I, I do remember that there was, um, I mean, QPR... Luton Town at this point, so yeah, I remember him. I remember him. He was pretty decent, I thought. But but you know, I I I don't think it was anything we missed, though. No, the only thing I remember about Luton Town at that period was they were one of two teams that had a plastic pitch. Mm-hmm. Who was the other? QPR. QPR. That's right. Mm-hmm. Eh? Well, we're actually going to get to a, a, another plastic pitch later on because the centre spread is at Oldham Athletic, who had a who had a plastic. Pitch right. uh, as well. Well, I mean, so, that's a link there with Wegley. So, Wegley, he certainly moved to QPR, and I, don't, I assume it was straight after Luton Town. So, can you imagine that being your, your next club? Say, <laughs> oh, I'm away for this, and then you turn up and it's a plastic pitch as well, you think? Maybe you could only play in plastic pitches. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Eh? So, the other wee bit I wanted to look at in that page was uh, joining up former Australian youth and under 21 international Alistair Edwards, who's joined Brighton. Edwards, a striker with Sydney Olympic, is undergoing a successful month's trial at the Goldstone ground. And uh, Alistair Edwards, so looking at him up, he was actually at Rangers in 1988, uh, 1988, and his only game was in a Glasgow Cup tie at Fur Hill. Uh, he played for Millwall when they knocked Arsenal out of the FA Cup at Highbury. And his son uh, was uh, is Ryan Edwards, who's now at Burton Albion, but he was previously with Partick Thistle and Hearts. All right, yeah, and then rings a bell. Alistair Edwards. Uh, all right, so uh, moving on then. So pages 12 and 13. So this is a, a, a Paul Trevelyan uh, double page spread on uh, the right way. So the idea here is a current player uh, is asked about the players that uh, he, he uh, idolised when he, when he grew up. Uh, and he picks uh, Martin Chivers, Bobby Charlton and Pelly. So... Um, do you remember Paul Trevelyan's drawings at all, Alan? No. Is this a famous person? Yeah. Well, he's a famous. Uh, he's a famous artist, I think. I, and certainly, it was basically the pages of shoot and match, and I think other kind of magazines like that. The style, the style looks familiar. So I've obviously seen that, seen his art before. I just didn't know his name. Yeah, he would have done things like you are the ref, you know some some of those as well. So right. he would have been Roy the Rovers ego. Ah, uh, okay, um, I remember you know, that. Like that. What I love of the drawings here is those um, the the like the lines he's drawn, obviously to get the the different shapes of the body and stuff like that. It's probably helped him to get the right perspective and the right you know shape and style of things. So I, I like all that as well. But we we, have, we spoke about Paul before. He's, he was an eccentric. I try and stay stay clear of calling him eccentric, but he was um, a, a colourful character. He, he he held the the Guinness um, world record for um, speed kissing. Was one of them. <laughs> um, he he was a stand up comic um, who supported the likes of Norman Wisdom and shows things like that. So, and famously, I don't know if you remember the leads in the 60s and 70s, you may have seen the sock tags that they have with numbers on them. Have you ever uh, seen those? Uh, yeah. And the fact that the Leeds team would come out and the centre park with, park with the track suits on and they'd all line up and they'd wave one side and turn around and wave the other side. Uh-huh. That was all his ideas. Right. 
that was all his ideas, and um, he got them to warm up in each corner of the the ground, um, just to to basically get the enthusiasm into the crowd and stuff like that. So he was he's absolutely you know he's, he's just came up with so many different things and he's a good all rounder. Yeah, yeah, he's um, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Of, I'm a big fan of Paul's. So the other drawing on page thirteen is maybe not quite as good. There's there's a wee <laughs> drawing there of uh, Bernard Manning. And a, and a Manchester City strip there talking to mm. a panda. Do you know, you say it's not a good drawing, but before you said Bernard Manning, my first thought was that's Bernard Manning. So yeah, true. I guess that's all you need, isn't it? True. It's a, a bit of a shame, right enough, that they've got notorious racist Bernard Manning <laughs> turned into a, a cuddly <laughs> figure of fun. But I suppose back in the 80s, people maybe didn't realise just how extreme he was. You, I mean, you look back in his routines now, that oh, yeah. disgraceful. Disgraceful stuff. I think um, I met Manchester City's greatest supporter, Bernard Manning, yesterday. I, I would probably, certainly if you're a Man City fan, you're probably going to question that, even back then, that he's the greatest supporter at the time. There must have been great did supporters. They be, did they maybe just mean he's most, their most famous supporter? Mm-hmm. I mean, even then, surely. Three or eight, there maybe wouldn't have been that many. Hmm. Maybe not. Um, things have changed, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> so the next page, page 14, we've got Matches Book and Video Library. Uh, so a number of books and uh, official history videos and World Cup official films. Uh, so just pick through a few of them. So again, you've got Gaza Daft as a Brush there, 595. Soccer Strangest Matches by Andrew Ward. Uh, I pulled that one out because I've got that book uh, somewhere. Uh, one that I noticed was, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, uh, Alan, but the football managers by Johnny Rogan. So, if you, John, Johnny uh, Rogan, who did a biography of the Smiths. Yes. Ah. So, uh, so, uh, so it's a wee curio in, in Johnny Rogan's um, bibliography because it's only all he seems to have written is music books. But that's mm-hmm. one the one football book he did. So before that, he did books on uh, the Kinks and uh, the the Birds and uh-huh. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Um, and just after this, he did uh, The Severed Alliance, uh, the book on uh, Morrissey and Marr. And I don't know if you're aware, Andy, of, of uh, The Severed Alliance. So ahead of publication, Morrissey said, personally, I hope Johnny Rogan ends his days very soon in an M3 pileup. Uh, and that was before he'd seen the book. But once the book came out, Morrissey told Q magazine that more than anything, I hope he dies in a hotel fire. Uh, then he told a magazine in France, if God exists, then Johnny the Rat Rogan will be devoured by a pack of German Shepherd dogs. Do you know the more I hear about Morrissey? Get him to talk. Yeah, so it's uh, the only non-music book that uh, uh, that um, Johnny Rogan wrote, that one, the, the football managers. So other book there is Ray Houghton's Liverpool Notebook, Inside Anfield, 88-89. And there's a book by Archie McPherson, The Great Derbies, 1948-89, to Blue and Green. Rangers versus Celtic. Mm-hmm. I've noticed then there's a player profiles, but there's a Maradona, the greatest player in the world, 50 minutes video. I'm just assuming that's 50 minutes of replays of that that um, <laughs> goal against England in the World Cup. I'm sorry, English English supporters out there. Well, I mean, we've not got a lot to look back on with great joy, Scotland fans, but that is definitely one of them. So, uh, yeah, so I saw a lot of the World Cup official films there, and Jimmy Greaves is six of the best from the 70s. Uh, 60 minute videos at £9.99. I was thinking this, um, the, they're not cheap, are they? Any of them? No, no. really, no. 
Quartz Giants of Brazil. Quartz, I can't even read. £19.95 for a video. Don't know if even if it's 52 minutes, one video, 20 quid. And even the books are 10 dollars 14 dollars So they're, they're not cheap at all. I don't know. Considering, I mean, if you look at the magazine's 50 pence. And, you know, if you sort of use that as a as a guide, that's, yeah. And I would, um, I wouldn't be paying that sort of money, I don't think, at that time. So next page, page 15, is uh, David Platt seeing his features with Villa, Villa Forever. But the only thing I was going to point out here is what a cracking Aston Villa top that is. Uh, Hummel top with the mate of copiers as a sponsor. Let me tell you, I liked that top at the time so much that that was the Subutio team that I chose. Yeah, good stuff. That's great. That is a good one. I like that. Uh, it's a terrific kit. Did so, David Platt end up moving from Aston Villa? He did, yes. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, Platt moved to Italy to play in Serie A when he signed for AS Barry for £5.5 on the 21st of July 1991. So two years after this, my future is with Villa. Yeah, so I suppose he gets away with it a wee bit, eh? Aye. Okay, well, we'll, we'll give him it, but it does make it sound like Villa Forever. You know I mean, it actually says in the headline, Villa Forever. Yeah, how I mean, many footballers say, I only want to play for one club? Hi, <laughs> <Aye>, Mo Johnson. <laughs> yeah, that's the first one that sprung to my mind as well. So the centre pages are an Oldham team group, and as you can see there, uh, they're on the plastic pitch there at Boundary, at Boundary Park. So installed in 1986, it coincided with a period of success for Oldham as they gained promotion to the top flight. Uh, I made a point of watching the opposition's reaction when they arrived, uh, manager Joe Royal said in the 2014. If they stuck their heels in and shook their heads, I knew we had the upper hand. So apparently uh, Oldham's plastic pitch was quite advanced for its time, based on a model used in Europe. Uh, but Joe Royal says that QPR's pitch was very different. It was a nightmare, basically a layer of astro turf on top of concrete. I once saw a keeper take a goal kick and it bounced so high it flew over the crossbar at the other end. Yeah, the, the, those pitches back then. I mean, we've probably all played on um, at least five or side pitches that were the same as that, and they're not great, not great at all. I've, I played at um, Anfield at uh, Stirling Albion um, when it was astro, the astro turf, and it was it was probably like this sort of thing. And um, yeah, it was as as he says, it's just like playing in, on concrete, really. So, but what he's saying is there are different types of astroturf pitches, and that Oldham's was quite different for QPRs. Yeah, well, that's something Joe Royal was was saying at the uh, well, no, no, even at the time that was a an interview well after the fact uh, I discovered. But yeah, I mean, there, there doesn't look as though there's much given that you know. It's like if if you played in a a three G four G nowadays. You know, you get some really good pitches, um, where there's a bit of depth to the, to the artificial grass in it and stuff like that. So it gives you a bit more. I mean, this just looks like, real. This looks like the the stuff you get in, um, grocery shops and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it's really short. So that yeah, it doesn't look good to me. But just looking at the, I mean, some of the players in the front row, Dennis Irwin. Dennis Irwin, yeah. Yeah. Um. There's um. Andy Rhodes, Jordan Rhodes' yep. dad. Andy yep. Rhodes obviously played for Dunfermline up here. Another yes. team, did he St. Johnson and St. Johnson, yeah. So middle row, second from the right, Mal Donachie, Scotland international. And Willie Donachie. 
Willie Donicky, oh yeah, Mal Donicky's a different player. So Willie Donicky's scorer of perhaps the daftest own goal ever for a, a Scotland Wales game. You can find it on uh, on YouTube. So basically, uh, the keepers last minute were holding on to a one 0 lead, and the keeper just rolls the ball out to his, his fullbacks who knock it, keep knocking it back to him. And for some reason, Willie Donicky just seems to sort of miss hit it and chip him. Who was it? Uh, it, was a, it was which keeper was it? it? Wasn't the normal keeper that one? Who was it? It was. Um, couldn't it have maybe? I was going to say Jim Blythe, maybe. Jim Blythe. It was Jim Blythe. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Jim, so not not a, not, not a not a Wales player within ten yards. Hmm. He chipped it or his own keeper. Ah uh, well, he, he, he kind of scuffs his scuffs his, his pass back. And it kind of goes feet away for the goalkeeper. Well, Lee Dixon did the same. Oh, Lee Dixon's a cracker. That's twenty-five yards, and absolutely does flight it right over over the goalkeeper. Have you seen that one, Alan? The Lee Dixon one. I can't remember it. No, I'll need to have a look. So, but that's that's this is the kind of thing that they did before the back pass rule, where you could sort of launch it by it. And again, talking about your man Sunis with that back pass he did uh, for, for the halfway line. Turns and just blitters it right back to Chris, <laughs> to Chris Woods. <laughs> the kind of thing that never happens nowadays because you're putting the keeper under pressure. Aye. So, uh, yeah, also in that, um, Andy Ritchie, who started with Man United, yep. for moving to Brighton, and uh, you've got Scott McGarvey in there as well, oh ex Man United in Scotland under 21 international. And also in, in the back row there uh, on the far right, You've got James Can, who played Sonny Corleone in The Godfather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> so the pull-out section there, you get match facts is the the pull-out section, and uh, the covers a great picture of Charlton's Paul Williams jumping into the air after scoring against Tottenham. Yeah, it's one of these ones, like you know, I was saying, just looking through this, like you get be nostalgic blasts. Some teams who you knew absolutely nothing about. He still associated their sponsor mm. with that team. So whenever I saw the Woolwich, that name, the Woolwich, later in life, I was like, oh, Charlton Athletic. Yeah. Because I remember that top. But that, technically, that means it's good advertising. Yeah, absolutely. It worked. Yeah, there's a, you see them on Twitter, there's a, people that make beanie hats, and it's basically the colours, but with a sponsor. No, the team name or the crest or anything like that. It's the, the colours of the shirt and the sponsor like Vox or whatever we send it and like you say, you, you do know you can say what team it is when you see uh, like half half near uh, Everton's I don't know, I think they made washing machines or something like that, you know. Uh-huh. Like these kind of things where you know you can you can really say for definite what it was they done, but you know the you know the name, you know who they sponsored, you know. And who thinks they Vox all without thinking the conference? <laughs> True. I always wondered why it was called a conference. It's not a league, it's a conference. What's all conference? Why is it not yeah. just a league? And you're scratching your, your, your head there. Any thoughts on it? <laughs> no. Right, well, there's a bit of homework for somebody there. <laughs> Deep dive. Why Why so-called a conference? Maybe they are sat about eating, you know, like wee sandwiches. And well, it was talk. actually, it's a Vauxhall Conference League, wasn't it? So it was both. I never, I never heard the league bit in it. Yeah, when it, yeah, it was, it was, it was a Vauxhall just... Conference League. Um, Conference. Uh, I, yeah, that, that doesn't help any, <laughs> anyway. So, but it's, yeah. It's, it's the same Vauxhall that they motors. You know, Vauxhall didn't they conferences. So, what, what's going on? The conference really. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, you're right. This is homework. And Tom and Absolutely. I, especially Tom, never shirk. A wee bit of homework. <laughs> a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> it's the soonest in you. 
Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen the, the match facts inside here, which I'm, I'm sure you're going to throw, Tom, it's like, what gets me, you've got the FA Cup, you've got the Zenith Cup, you've got the Leyland Daft Cup, and then, as you mentioned, you've got, the, there's a Little Woods Cup there as well. There's a lot of cups going on down in England. That is true. Yeah. Right. The Little Woods Cup, was that their League Cup? League, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that the version of that? That's right, yeah. Like the yeah, equivalent so- of the Coal Cup? Aye. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, quite detailed, because at, th- at this point they're describing the goals, and I'm just giving you the minutes, so they're, they're describing how the goals how the goals went in. So just a couple of wee results to pull out. Liverpool 2, Arsenal 1, in front of a 35,983 attendance. McMahon and Barnes for Liverpool, Alan Smith for Arsenal. Uh, and then S- Sunday, 2nd of December, Chelsea 2, Wimbledon 5, Kerry Dixon and Graham Roberts, I think, scoring the goals for Chelsea. Gibson, Wise and Cork for Wimbledon. And then at Tynecastle, Rangers beat Hearts 2-1. Eamon Bannon scoring for Hearts. Mark Walters and Trevor Stephen for Rangers. Mm. There we are. The Mo Johnson in that lineup as well, I see. Um, Walters was sent off after 88 minutes. No. Was that the match where they chucked mm-hmm. the bananas? That might well have been. I wonder, because it happened at, it happened at Tynecastle and yeah. it happened Kid. Yeah. It might not have been that particular game, but if you get sent off, I wonder if that's maybe connected. Who knows? But a great Rangers team there. Wood, Stevens, Brown, Butchard, Monroe, Ferguson, Ian Ferguson, Trevor Stephen, Nigel Spackman, Matt Walters, McCoy, Johnston. With the exception of maybe Spackman and Monroe, I suppose you could say that's a team of absolute first-class players. No, man, I'm, I'm going to have to pull you up on Monroe there. I'm a big fan of Monroe. I he think was, he's been he one was of the unsung. but he didn't. He never shone. Uh, I, I, th- I, th- I think he's, he's he's one of the unsung heroes of the Rangers team, and you know one of these players that you know when you say, you know who should have got a Scotland cap, I think he should have. I'm a fan of his. Well, what I would say about him is, first of all, not only is he a Falkirk boy, but he survived the Sunas cull because he mm-hmm. predated Sunas. Yeah, and Sunas swept almost everybody out of that team. Certainly, by the time you get to this point, there's almost nobody left. That's for the true. Yeah. You've only got. McCoyst and Monroe that he dates on us. So he did last and he must have lasted for a reason. Yeah, that's true. First division there, Clybank three, Wraith Rovers one. Um goals from the the Coyle brothers, Owen Coyle and Tommy Coyle, Tam Coyle. Tom Coyle, Tommy Coyle. Um and Mr. Ede um, as well. Um the bank is leapfrog rovers to move into sixth place with the Coyle brothers, Owen and Tommy helping to snuff out the Fifers. Get in. Let's see how the how the Falkirk got beat two one. Um, yeah, I'll be that'll be uh, Ali Graham with the winner. Hi, for Albion Rovers. Aye. Yeah. I'm trying to find it. Oh, there we are. Aye, Albion Rovers Falkirk one. Um, I I never really paid much attention to Falkirk's results at the time. I mean, at my school, you either supported Rangers or Falkirk. Um, and I look back now, and I'm very much a fan of supporting your local team. Yeah. But at the time, I thought it was parochial and sad. Um, so, and, and also Falkirk. Here's here's a, a wee fact for you. Falkirk Football Club once threw me out of the stadium. <laughs> I was thrown out of Brockville Park by security for doing absolutely fuck all. And after that, I thought, right, Ken what? done me. Uh, and I never darkened the door again. So, Were you there as a Falkirk supporter? No, no. I was there... Um, it was our school, Falkirk High School, were playing in the local school's cup final. 
So they opened the stand at Brockville, obviously, to make it merely an occasion. And I went along to support the team because a couple of my mates were in it. And I went looking for the toilets because I needed a pee. And the like, guys like that, what are you doing in here? I must have wandered into the wrong corridor. <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm looking for the toilets. I like the story. And he literally picked me up with the scruff of the neck, dragged me outside and threw me. Yeah, that, that would do it for me as well. I'm like, right, done, done. You know, so Anki just thought I'm, I'm a teenage boy wandering about. Maybe I was near the trophy room or the, the room where they keep the safe or whatever, I don't know, but trophy room. <laughs> 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 Maybe wouldn't there have been a lot in there to steal. <laughs> so there you go, that's why I never supported Falkirk. Mm. Tom, should we have a wee delve into the, the programme archive? Uh, yes, aye. Yeah, so, so just to let you know, so we're, we're sponsored by uh, Celtic Match Day programmes, it's called. So it's a website where you can go on and look through an archive of Celtic programmes. But as we keep saying, you, you don't just have to be a follower of Celtic to appreciate it. There's, you know, obviously the, there's home and away games, so you will have Rangers um, programmes, Clydebank programmes, European games, things like that, friendlies. So it's what we tend, you know, what Tom and I tend to do is just delve in, pick one and have a wee look through it. Um, so we're going to, if you can get up on your computer or your whatever you have there, CelticMatchDay.com. And are we going to look at a Rangers Celtic game? Yeah, it? so we're going to look at 9th of September from 1978. There it is, Celtic Day, a lifelong obsession. So if you go up to archive and the drop down... Right, okay. 1978, did Mm-hmm. Um, Celtic versus Rangers, Celtic Park, kick off 1pm on a Saturday, mm-hmm. um, programme 10 pence. So if we delve inside first, the first page, there we go, it's an advert for Kensitis Club. Kensitis Club. <laughs> Kensitis Corsair or Club Mild, King Size, Filter, Virginia, and there's those coupons, I remember yeah. those coupons so well. Do you remember the coupons, Alan, that you would get, or your parents would get? I do, yeah, because my mum was a smoker, so I do remember, and the smell of them. Oh, did did you ever go up to the, the warehouse to, to get something with your coupons? Mm-hmm. They had a big warehouse in Glasgow. I think I got an etch sketch <laughs> my hand does, Kensett's Club coupons. But did you know, like, need a huge, huge bundle of them just to oh, get aye. something tiny? Aye. And you did, yeah, you needed thousands or something. Like that. I know. I think that was maybe the only thing I got. I don't think I was getting regular stuff, but yeah, yeah. I, I do remember. I do remember going up there to get it. So just looking through it, a um, couple of pages on. So the first one, sort of Bill McNeil, guest welcoming people. Um, Ian Skelly Centre, Scotland's number one volume volume dealer. Right, okay, right, okay. I, I see what that means. I remember Ian Skelly, right enough. Yeah, they're still going, aren't they, Ian Skelly? Yeah. Aye, but I don't know. Maybe they, I can't drive, so I wouldn't know. But I do remember the adverts. <laughs> Next page is a photograph. Um, it's quite a, quite grainy, but it's Johnny Doyle gets his cross away despite the close attention of Alex McDonald. Um, next page is a first for both managers and a photograph of David Cooper there. There we are. So they're talking about uh, it's John Gregg's first taste of his manager against Celtic, and I think it's Billy McNeil's first time he's come up against John Gregg as well. 
Um, next page, we've got the, both teams coming out. It's just a classic. I, the amount of times I see that sort of... Uh, so John Gregg's leading, leading the Rangers team out there, and, and it's just to see that in so many different photographs, John Gregg coming out and leading the team, and it's quite it's quite an iconic look to him. Mm-hmm. Well, that pose is it's basically the statue, yeah. So it's yeah, like Ibrox. That's right, aye. The, the way he's holding the way he's holding the ball there. Yeah, yeah. He's got that kind of mythic quality about him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the ball, looks quite small as well. But just talking about small, Peter Latchford, who's behind Andy Lynch, who's leading out Celtic, doesn't look the tallest keeper there. He's got um, Stuart Kennedy, Rangers keeper. Johannes Edvalsen in the background looks as though he's quite tall as well. Um, middle pages is the, the team lines. So Peter McCloy, Sandy Jardin, Alex Forsyth, Tom Forsyth, Derek Jack, Derek Johnson, Colin Jackson, Alec McDonald, Tom McLean, Bobby Russell, Delic Palane, Gordon Smith, and on the bench, David Cooper and Alex Muller. Alex Muller ended up managing St. Byrne, right? Yeah. yeah. And then we come into a few more adverts. Parks of Hamilton, bit of a Rangers link there. <laughs> J.H. Lewis Partners offer a complete travel service. R.D. Stewart. I wonder the if joiners it's... advertising in the Celtic match day programme. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> it's like when you used to go to the pictures and they'd be advertising like an Indian takeaway around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Doonan, I don't know what that means. Oh no, it's the name of the... It must be the, the person's name. Is it Doonan Plant higher than the Doonan is a, a bar lounge? So all right, so I guess that's his name. It's just odd. So there's Plant Hire, a bar lounge... Uh, bed and breakfast full board and a greyhound racing track. This guy's got his fingers in a lot of pies. Red Blaze and Gravel Supplied. So he obviously got that contract. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably all played in his pitch. <laughs> so, it's, it's a bit of everything, isn't it? The jack of all trades, huh? Yeah. I'll tell you what, there's a character here. Yeah. <laughs> I can just see him with the, with the fur coat and the rings. <laughs> but it's even even with his name. If you're going to do a TV show, it'd be called Doon in the Dumps or something like that. Isn't it? <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> so, so yeah, so so it's like um, as I say, uh, CelticMatchDay.com. It's, it's it's really good that you can delve in. You know, obviously, if you're a Celtic fan, you've got a lot more to look through. But even just picking things like this out, it's it's quite it can be quite fun, quite nostalgic, and then the, you're going to see photographs that maybe you've not seen. You know, get write ups about um, teams that. Maybe don't normally get write-ups. Um, so, you know, we re- certainly recommend it. So, CelticMatchDay.com or on Twitter, you can follow them at Celtic underscore Matchday. And as I say, they, they sponsor our podcast, Shoot the Breeze. So, please check them out. And back to you, Tom, in the studio. All right, so we're going through. So, let's try and rattle through the magazine here for, for the last 10, 15 minutes or so. So, we've got the next page, we've got club adverts. So it's, it's December, so it's coming up for Christmas time. So there's a, a lot of different club shops, some of them wishing happy Christmas to their supporters. Mm. So again, there's a few wee videos going. Official Nottingham Forest Football Club season 88-89 Wembley Wembley video featuring the complete story of the season. The team's triumphs in the Simod and Littlewoods Cup and exclusive interviews with Brian Clough and a number of star players. Only £11.99. Mm. Uh, but I noticed the Manchester City one they've got a Christmas special video of the Man City v Man United 5-1 game and it's only £15.50 mm. oh it doesn't look mm-hmm. close in parking to be fair they could probably get away with that yeah I suppose maybe Man City fans would be willing to buy that but £15.50 for a video shocking videotape 
So I Saints shop Southampton, Aston Villa, and Chelsea. Mm. So just over on the right there, there's a footballer of the year computer game by Gremlin. Oh, yeah. So Gremlin were uh, well known for for sports games and strategy games and stuff like that. Says score the goals, make the right decisions, and the glory of footballer of the year can be yours. It really does build, you know, build up a picture there, doesn't it? Did you guys have Spectrums or Commodores? I had a Spectrum. 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 So my brother had a Commodore 64. We we had them um, 48k, then maybe a 48k plus, and then a Commodore 64, and then my other two older brothers, or my younger brother, my older brother had a ST and a. Amiga in later years. It's really interesting when you compare football management games now that are like entire worlds. Mm. Yeah. Oh, the amount of data and information and gameplay that's involved in them. And you go back to these very, very primitive versions of it back then, the the very first football games that came out for computers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know know which ones I prefer. I just don't have the patience to do the... even, Even games nowadays, just working out how to... You know, it's like, all right, okay, you have to press up and then down twice and then left and then take your finger off that and you have to do that. And it's like, mm-hmm. nah, man, I can't, I can't deal with that. Just give me, fo- you know, just give me a um, football manager on the ZX Aye. Spectrum. Oh, 100% kickoff too. Hmm. I, I, that's when I, I exited, I think, kickoff too. Sen- Sensible Soccer was a great game. That That's like just very little you have to do and you, there seemed right. to be a lot to it. After that, it was like, nah, too much. Yeah, I, I had this one, Footballer of the Year. Well, this is a sequel. Uh, but there wasn't very much to it. It was basically you get three shots at goal kind of thing. You were just moving your things on. And if you scored, you would sort of move up the move up the ranks kind of thing. But you can actually download that game, uh, Advert um, Footballer of the Year 2. You can actually find it online and play it, should anybody should anybody wish to. I'm going to take that in just to see if I had it at the time. Because if you had a spectrum and you were playing that at the time, there's a good chance maybe I was as well. I was going to ask Tom since you had it. Um, it mentions here. I don't know if this is a new feature in the football of the year too. Double or nothing trivia. It mentions. Do you know what that was? I don't recall there being any trivia in it. I think it was just simply a, you got three shots or maybe you get one shot or two shots. But what would the double or nothing be? Would that like double or nothing your 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 funds or something? Or oh, I think it would double your goal chances because I think you get right. three, you get one, two, or three goal chances kind of thing. So right, maybe right. you would get six goal chances in a game then. Right, that makes sense. Ish. But yeah, no, I don't remember it being very sort of compelling. Hmm. You know, match day was a kind of exciting. Oh, aye, for sure. Game I remember. I, I didn't have it. Was that that you would get a loan of it? And you would get a loan of it of somebody at school for a night. So you would be like <laughs> your homework kind of thing, about half seven until about nine o'clock, you would get to play it. <laughs> but surely you would do what any sane person would do and you would take a copy of the tape. I didn't I didn't have a double tape deck at the you time. Didn't have, you did you didn't have to though, did you? You just have two two and you say to anybody in the room, shh. <laughs> that's what you had to do. I had less chance of loading properly if it was a copyright. Enough. Yeah, but that's why you had yeah. those little screwdrivers. For changing the tape head, just to like a wee bit, a wee bit, the volume, just adjust the volume a wee bit. Right, okay, fortieth goal. Let's try that this time. <laughs> Nothing. Aye. So the page twenty-eight is the match mailbag. So the letters page. So just pluck out a couple of e, a couple okay. of e letters. So Mark McGrath of Sutton Coalfield suggests the league could have better schooling for referees and keep a check on their performances. Match replies. By the time the referee league games, they should have reached a high standard. I think it would be impossible to scrutinise 
46 refereeing performances each week, and such an assessment would place even more pressure on refs. Poor refs. It does go to show that the complaints about refs are eternal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And echo through the generations. Yep. As, as the, the next, the next um, letter shows that complaints about Charlie Nicholas are eternal as well. <laughs> <laughs> A disgruntled Aberdeen fan there yeah. for Hamilton. Yeah. I was going. To, I did find him on Twitter. He was quite easy to find. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, Gareth Harmon because uh, that's basically his Twitter bio. Is he's an Aberdeen fan <laughs> from from Alton. Yeah. So, uh, but I didn't. I didn't bother. I didn't bother getting in touch with him about it because he, he probably. I'm sure he probably stands by. Uh, stands by that. I think you should send him a link to this podcast. Ah, well, we may well. We may well do. So, it's as far as I'm concerned, Aberdeen can let Charlie Nicholas go. We won the Skull Cup final without him contributing. Without him contributing much and having signed Hans Hill House, he can join an impressive forward line, which still boasts Robert Connor. So, and of course, Charlie did leave Aberdeen shortly afterwards after winning the Scottish Cup in 1990. He moved back to Celtic. There does seem to be a general theme of people being a bit fed up with our star strikers <laughs> because somebody, uh, Simon Devlin from Western Supermare, has reached the conclusion mm. that Ian Rush must go. Yeah. And it's quite an. I suggest swapping Ian Rush for Will Steve Bull plus Cash. Remember him? Mm. Aye. He was a goal machine. He never, he never managed to really get a game in, in for England. I think they called him up a couple of times, but he never. I think fact, he actually scored against Scotland. I'm pretty sure he scored at Hamden. A winning goal, I think it was. Yeah. Right, right. You never, did he become a regular in the England team? I don't think he was a regular. He was in the squad for the 1990 World Cup, I think. Right. He got a handful of caps. Uh, I think it was. I think we drew one each. I think was that maybe the day Mark McGee scored for Scotland. Uh, so, Here we uh, have somebody agitating for his place in the England team. Actually, I don't think he actually played top. I think he never played in the first division. I think we we, we Wolves. I don't think Wolves actually get promotion to the first division at the time. Or they played it. At this point, so it's actually the next one um, talks about uh, David Platt. Saying how can Bobby Robson put David Platt in the England squad when Steve Bull can only manage a, a place in the blah blah blah? So, Matchy's response to that is Platt is a proven first division goal scorer, whereas Bull has only been prolific in the fourth, third, and second division. So certainly at this point, he he, he hadn't played in the the first division. He was scoring fifty goals a season. I remember at the time it was quite phenomenal. He was he was bagging hat tricks on left, right, and centre. I would imagine if you'd speak to a Wolves fan. To this day, they probably cite uh, him the way that Aberdeen fans talk about Hans Hill House. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so are we, we moving on? Any other letters you've spotted? No, I think we've probably touched on most of them there, haven't we? All right, so moving moving on. So pages 31 and 32 are cut out and keep guides to clubs. Charlton, Stoke City, Chesterfield and Doncaster. So these are pretty much just guides to the grounds. Yeah, uh, um, cost of emission. The sort of go between three for the terrace, um, three pound fifty and four pound between all. The, so there's four different teams: Charlton, Stoke, Chesterfield, and Doncaster. And it's um, as I say, it's between three pound fifty and four pound for the terrace, between five and seven pound for the stand and things like that. So it gives you all those the family enclosure, um, between three pound fifty and five pound. So. Even tell you the mascot. Mm, yeah, they, they, they do. A lot of it seems to be. See, I'm wondering if this is maybe a it's, it's a, a junior sort of younger person focus thing because a lot of the thing is talking about the junior supporters club. Then it's the community schools involvement. 
and things mm-hmm. like that. And so it does seem to be um, geared towards the younger fan these months. Mm-hmm. We're just jumping back a wee page there to the Sports World Christmas special ad- adverts, and there's a few wee strips there. Alan, there's a, that uh, Rangers Away, which is a kind of Monaco. Ah, that's right. Aye. Versions a diagonal white and red. Uh-huh. One uh, red well, sleeve, one white sleeve. They never returned to that design after that. It's no it's no exactly become an iconic Rangers away no. strip. And that that um shell suit there as well was a bit of a Well I had that. I got that I got that shell suit for my thirteenth birthday, I believe. And I think I think the top the, the home strip was that famous one which after a few washes became purple. Aye, and there was also one, I think it might be that one, after a few washes, the McEwen's lager started to peel off. Peel off, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just looked scabby. But yeah, you're right, there's a few, I mean, the Man United ones are um, quite, I mean, those are nice, the Man United and Liverpool ones are really nice ones. That's quite a classic Man United top, that one. Mm-hmm, with Sharp on it. And Candy on the Liverpool ones. The Brian Robson era. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some holdalls there. Do we all have a head holdall? Number thirty-seven. I had that. I had the thirty-seven one. Aye, I me mean, yeah, The black, the black and red one. I had that. That was my five-a-side holdall. Yeah. So, what did you prefer, a tango or a mitre? Oh, tango. Aye. <laughs> tango. The tango seventy-eight, sort of seventy-eight, eighty-two style, for me is the best looking balls ever. Did you ever get a rubber one? A rubber football. Is this the one with pimples on it? Aye. I was thinking about this the other day actually when you bounced it it sort of pinged with an echo and it definitely bounced different yeah oh, it bounced you imagine, can, you imagine not, can you imagine not on the QPR pitch just imagine how much that would bounce <laughs> so just, just jumping down now to page, page 35 so the thing that, so this is all kind of uh, adverts and the one thing that jumps out at me is listen to the Vinnie Jones hotline. Yeah. So this is Vinnie Jones, who probably would have been leads at that time. Again, it's a 38p standard peak per minute, including VAT. Please ask your parents' permission before you dial. The Vinnie Jones hotline. What he was saying on it? Was he just swearing away? <laughs> if you look at it, the, the Jerome Anderson management based in down in England, in London, and it's like, you know, so obviously this by this point, players are starting to get agents and starting to get their, you know, um, image rights all sorted out and under, you know, professional control. So this is, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure why they put the name and address on it because you're just phoning up a number. It's maybe a contractual thing that you have to say who it is that's running it. Mm, maybe, maybe. And underneath that, there's Software City where there's loads of football strategy games, Atari 8-bit soccer games. Atari 8-bit sports games, including Jockey Wilson's darts and Steve Davis snooker. I had Davis snooker. I tell you what, you really need to have good eyesight to read these, didn't you? <laughs> you do. Certainly like that, first, that first column, it's like very small. It gets bigger as it goes across, but... Um... Soccer Boss, I also had that. Remember that one? Football mm-hmm. management game, Soccer Boss. Uh, Frank Bruno's boxing, I had yeah, that. I had that, yeah. Konami ping pong, I had that. And I'll tell you, see if you look in the page before, on page 34, right, just tucked away there, there's a wee key to uh, late 80s football and culture among teens, postal football management. Did yeah. you ever do that? I, I didn't, no. I didn't do a football management one, I don't think. I think I did a, 
a play by mail which was um space based it was like a sort of um remember like elite the game like a sci-fi themed game well it'd be it'd be basically like space trading so you'd be in you know you'd just go to different planets and stuff like that and trade um but i, I never i don't think i did a, it used to get this big thick wad of paper through and i was just like I, just like you know saying about too much information with the with the film I, i'm like no man i just want to be able to you know answer three questions and it does what i want it to do but that wasn't the case the, the, the thing I, I found interesting when i looked at this page is the very bottom right research so it says missing certain match reports question mark i can locate those newspaper write-ups of games that you require whether it be the football league international cup non-league or pre-war if it was written about in the papers i can find it for you Price dependent on depth of research undertaken. Good rates for runs on a single club. Efficient personal services. Well, he's putting a niche in the market to give him his due. Yeah. As soon as the internet came along, that was him. That was his, <laughs> that was his whole thing out the window. Well, this is an interesting world, uh, insight into a world before the internet. Mm. You look at how a lot of the things that are done is a matter of course now. Yeah. I mean, there was you saying, Celtic Majesty programmes, I type it in and we can find virtually any Celtic yeah. programme for free like that. Yeah. Yeah. But here you would have to send away to somebody who would have to research it for you yeah. and there'd be a fee involved and it would take weeks. Yep, I, I loved that. That was um, that was good for me. All right, okay, I think we're just uh, we're just about ready to wrap, wrap up then. Is there anything anything in the magazine that we've, we've missed, Alan, that you'd maybe... Well, Chris Waddle's mullet would be the thing that stands out. <laughs> uh, I kind of let that go unremarked upon because that man had the finest mullet of the 1980s. Yeah. So that's a picture of him at Marseille, and a crack in Marseille top. And the French clubs at the time always seemed to have massive sponsors. That's true, <laughs> But yeah, you're right, that's his mullet, and he's sort of flopping about there at the back. Blame the man, up. obviously, with, with a Falkirk connection, yeah. Alan, was like Chris Waddle, the wee spell at Falkirk yeah. in the 90s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did he really? Yeah. He did. I maybe played four or five games, but I didn't know that. No, mm-hmm. he ran Clay Bank ragged in his, on his uh, in his debut. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Kevin, I, I would have been Kevin McAllister back there at the same time, wouldn't it have been? I think so. Probably. I, I remember Kevin because obviously Kevin McAllister's a folk hero among Fogger yeah. supporters. Yeah. Aye. Crunchy. 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 Yeah. Aye. Three <laughs> spells or four spells. Aye. So 1996, Chris Waddle had four games at Falkirk. Ah, there we are. Did you realise? After the left Sheffield Wednesday. Right, okay, listen, I'm just going to do a, a couple of wee shout-outs here and um, we, we can we can finish it up. So we for for each season that we do, we partner up with a, a charity partner um, where we, you know, we try and get some funds for them. We also we'll try and just give them shout-outs and get a bit of um, exposure for them. So the, the charity partner for this season is called Back On Side. So, here in the UK, one in four people will experience a mental health illness each year. Mental health includes a person's emotional, psychological and social well-being. An obvious widespread problem, yet it's estimated that only a quarter of sufferers receive ongoing treatment, leaving the majority of the UK population tackling these debilitating issues on their own. Here at Back On Side, we have recognised this ongoing dilemma and are determined to rebuild a society where no young person or adult is left tackling mental health problems alone. So that's at Back On Side, one word, on Twitter, or you can go to the website, which is backonside.co.uk. And as we say, if you if just follow them, at the very least, go follow them, give them your support, 
um, help out if you can, if you can donate to them um, directly, brilliant, because they, they certainly need the help that way. But we, we also do, as part of the show, is each show will have an associated web page with it that we have on our website, and there'll be a donate button on that. Um, and what we what we try and do is for each pound that you donate, it buys you a virtual raffle ticket, and the what the raffle ticket enables is um, the winner of that draw will get the original magazine that we've been discussing and we'll try and th throw in a few other goodies and stuff as well. So 50% of the pound will go to back on side and 50% will go to the podcast to help run that. But as I say, if you're not going to donate to us, then please just, you know, go into the back on side and, you know, give them, it's all about them anyway. So the the other um, shout out I'd like to give is to Pete Wiley of the Mighty Wah, who the story of the blues is the music to the show for the intro and the outro. So you can catch up with Pete on PeteWiley.co.uk, and we as always we'd like to thank our producer Diane Jardin for all the work, all the support, all the help, all the just encouragement that she gives us. And um, please check out TransmissionRoomOneWord.co.uk. And you can book music recording and rehearsal facilities in Clydebank. And just lastly, again, um, our sponsor is CelticMatchDay.com, who we've discussed in the podcast. So please check all that out. So I'd just like to thank Tom for being Tom. Thank you. I'd like to thank you, Alan, for, for coming along. And it's been very entertaining and enjoyable. I that. that was a nice wee trip down memory lane. Thanks, guys. So before you go, Alan, if you get anything you want to plug, have you got Glasgow Comedy Festival gigs that get rescheduled? Aye, I've got a gig at the Glasgow Comedy Festival that's now going to be on November the 3rd uh, at the Orin Moor, um, but I'm also at the moment, because my live events have all been cancelled, um, I've no income. <laughs> mm. So I'm putting stuff online for folk to do uh, PayPal donations and they can watch. Right. Where, where can we, where can we get that? If they go into my website, alanbissett.com um, or my Facebook page, Facebook slash Bissettism, then they'll be able to see some links there and they can donate and watch uh, plays of mine that I've put up online for folk to, folk to view. Ah, terrific. Okay, so don't, you that, I did, you might uh, be interested, I did a play about Pink Floyd. Mm -hmm. um, about Sid Barrett. Oh, that was part of Play Pine a Pint a few years That's ago. Great, eh? aye. Well, we've got the film of that online. You can watch that. Great stuff. Well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll get in contact with you after this and get all the links to all the stuff that you just oh, spoke yeah. about. We'll put it on the, the page, but obviously because, you know, we'll, we'll also tweet it and retweet it and stuff like that and on the Facebook just now, just now so that it's, it's out there rather than having to wait for when the show is actually aired. Great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so on that, just like to thank any, everyone, I'm saying anyone, everyone who's uh, listening, and anyone if you're listening, um, thank you for, for downloading the podcast. Please, as we all say, please share it with your friends, go to the website, follow us, interact with us, go to the webpage, follow along um, with the podcast as well. Basically, just keep, you know, keep, you know, getting back to us, interacting. It's always good to hear if there's something you've enjoyed in it or if we've made a mistake and or if we've asked a question, for example. Um, it was always nice to get a wee bit of feedback on that. So thank you once again to everyone. Until the next time, let's shoot the breeze. <laughs> <laughs>